Hey friends, this is an interview that I loved to do. I love these kind of discussions. And today's interview with Jackie Hilbrick, who is a medium and psychic. And I think you'll love it. Hang on. Hello again, friends and fellow truth seekers. Mike Nichols here with another episode of the Soul Unleashed podcast where my goal is to help you with the questions you might have regarding the awakening of your soul and particularly to help other left brain types like I am to ask the right questions in our search for deeper meaning to life. Ultimately, I want to help you unleash your soul from limiting beliefs and what I like to call smothering paradigms. So today's adventure is an interview with Jackie. I think you'll find her to be a very mature, well-spoken young lady. Yeah, everybody's young to me. <laughs> Jackie's 29. I think when I was 29 years old, I had children in the family, of course, but I, I was still pretty much a knucklehead. But Jackie really has her act together. It was a pleasure to discuss this with her. And this interview, by the way, is available on my YouTube channel. Uh, the links to that are in the, in the show notes. If you look for me online in YouTube, it's just at Mike Nicholas dash unleashed on YouTube. And really, when you see the interview with video, I think it's uh, it's much more impactful, uh, and Jackie does a great job. So she'll, you'll hear her story as I do her introduction, and I think you'll, you'll really enjoy the interview. Here we go. All right, welcome everybody to the Soul Unleashed podcast. I'm Mike Nicholas, of course, and my guest today that I'm really excited to have is Jackie Hilbrick, and I'm just going to read a little bit about Jackie's background, and then Jackie, you can fill in the the holes as, as we go, please. Okay. But Jackie's a gifted 29-year-old psychic medium and aura reader, and she has over seven years of professional experience. Since childhood, Jackie's possessed a natural ability to see energy and tap into her intuition, which is way cool. These innate gifts have allowed her to touch the lives of clients, not only in the United States, but also internationally in countries such as the United Kingdom, Ireland, and Australia. Jackie's accuracy has led to countless successful readings, predicting significant life events such as moves, births, and promotions. I really want to ask you about that too. Okay. She, she's hosted uh, large spiritual events, collaborating with other talented tarot readers. That's tarot cards, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and other psychics to create transformative experiences for the attendees. Driven by her passion for making a difference in people's lives, Jackie's ultimate goal is to help as many people as possible by providing them with guidance, healing, and a deeper understanding of their spiritual journey. So, so Jackie, I've told you a little bit about my audience. There are people who are skeptics. Yes. Uh, like I was. And so uh, some of the questions I'll ask you will be how to best provide benefit to them as we go through through the interview. Okay. But let me ask you the, the common questions first, which is how did you get started on this journey and, and how it all started for you? Sure. Well, thank you so much again for having me on today. I'm very excited to get to talk about all of this. Um, I have been extremely intuitive since I was around five or six years old. That's one of my first memories of seeing energy around people was actually when I was about five. And I remember going to my mom and being like, why am I seeing colors around people? And she was like, oh gosh. But she had known about auras um, because my older sister also has some abilities. So she kind of paved the way for me to be able to ask my mom questions about these things. 
Um, so very intuitive from a very young age, but uh, I got really sick around like 12 years old. I became very chronically ill and shut all my abilities down. I was actually convinced that the auras, being able to see the auras and um, tap into my intuition was causing me to be ill. So I kind of became a little bit resentful, honestly, of my gift. Um, shut down for, I think it was around seven or eight years while I was just really chronically ill in and out of the hospital um, for various different things, but mostly chronic migraines and then just getting sick with, you know, the flu and strep and everything. Like if I wasn't in pain with migraines, I was down for the count with the flu or something like that. Mm -hmm. So after I recovered from my chronic illness, I began to look at my gift a little bit differently. And I was like, I really could use this to help people. Um, and in kind of switching that perspective, I was able to start to accept that this is something that I was born with that I could really help people with. And I began doing little practice readings on people, um, acquaintances, you know, family members, friends, and started to get really accurate information. And I was like, wow, I could really, I can really do something with this. So I- How, how, how old were you when that, when you, because you were sick when you were 12, you said. So yeah, how old were you so when you started this? I was around, before I was doing stuff professionally, like just kind of diving into like my, my second big spiritual awakening, I was around 19 years old, I think, 20 years okay. old. So it was about a seven or eight year period where I was really chronically ill. And then after that, yeah, I, I believe I was about 19. So okay. yeah. So um, after that, I just kind of tried to expand by reaching out to this local crystal shop and they were like, why don't you come in and offer you know, $15 readings, do some aura readings, see how it goes. So I did. And I became booked out for like two months at this place. I was having people drive up from, you know, everywhere to see me. I had people drive, a whole family drove up from Indianapolis to come get readings from me. And that was my kind of realization that I should really be taking this more seriously. So that was kind of the start. And then I moved into the online space around um, 2016 and then really started taking it seriously in 2018. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. For, for those of us that don't really understand this, yeah. certainly me, what, what does an aura look like? What does that mean? So everybody is made of energy. Everything is made of energy. You know, basic chemistry suggests that, you know, every single thing in our world starts with an atom, which is really energy at its core. Okay. So an aura is the energetic field that surrounds people. And most people have about a three to five foot energetic field that almost kind of looks like an egg shape um, with different colors and different sort of um, qualities in it. So there can be, you know, different colors, different shapes, different clarity of the color, and that all is associated with certain personality traits or, you know, things that we're going through can kind of show up in that energy field as well. So it's, it's really impacted by a lot of different things, but everybody has an energy field. And 
yeah, one thing that I like to kind of say to people that are like, well, how do we know that that's like real? Have you ever been in a grocery store next to somebody that's just like seething with anger or been around somebody that's like very sad and and you can just feel that energy sort of come into your space when they're like standing behind you or next to you? Have you ever experienced anything like that? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I'm sorry to say, I have not. But, but oh, okay. I believe in it. I believe yeah. in it. I, I, you know, just today I was checking out of the, this little shop where my my wife's in the hospital, and there's a little store there, and I was in a hurry to get out. And I, the lady said to me, "There's something wrong, different with you today. Why are you in such a hurry?" And as I talked to her, she also has the ability to sense those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of interesting. But let me ask you this about about your gift. Can you see this with just living things or do you see it with inanimate objects also so it's interesting you can see it with inanimate objects you can see it with you know trees but you can also see it around you know a vacuum cleaner the difference between the living objects energy field and a inanimate objects energy field is that a living person or a tree or a plant will have a brighter more um clear sort of energy. It's like a bigger energy field compared to a vacuum cleaner or a, you know, cup or something like that. It's going to be much smaller and and closer, almost like an outline of the object. Does it work with pets also? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So do, do you spend your days like seeing this stuff all the time or do you have to deliberately try and see it or look for it? I lost Jackie here for just a second, but she came right back. Jackie, I just asked you if you wouldn't mind repeating the answer again. You said that you see auras around both people, animals, inanimate objects. And my question was, do you go through your day seeing auras around all these things or is it something you have to consciously decide to do? Yeah, so I did when I was younger. I was able to actually see people's energies with my physical eyes and have very distinct memories of walking down the hallway in middle school and and seeing auras surrounding people. It was very overwhelming sometimes, but when I became uh when I started doing this more professionally, um, back in 2016, I actually began to get the information clairvoyantly, which means in the same place where you would imagine sort of what an apple looks like right now in your in your uh, mind's eye, that's the same place where I'm seeing the energy now. So I have the ability now to kind of turn it on and off so I'm not overwhelmed as I go about my day. Does somebody have to be a willing participant for that or can you just say, hey, I want to see what this person's energy looks like? I, I'm very big on ethics and consent with, with energy work specifically. So I would usually ask people, you know, especially if, you know, um, if I was seeing something that was a little bit like alarming or like if they were going through something really tough at the time, I would definitely ask first, but I can, I mean, I see celebrities energies all the time. I see, people in the grocery store's energies if I if I do want to turn it on while I'm out in public. But I usually like to ask permission first before I dive into stuff like that. Are you able to see my energy like even remotely? Yes. Through the... Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, is it good or bad? It's good. I think you're, I think you're a little stressed right now. <laughs> I can feel... <laughs> I mean, the, you have a very distinct... Um, a lot of people have 
blue as like their first energy layer. It's the most common aura color. And blue can be associated with the throat chakra, so it's communication, but there's also a grief and sadness aspect to it as well. And for you, I do feel like something, I don't know if you've just been like extra stressed recently or if something has been like weighing on you a little bit more, but there's definitely a little more. I'm sure it's um, related to my wife. I'm sure it's related to, your wife. to her. Yeah. I mean, okay. she's, she's still in the hospital and everything. So. Oh, okay. Okay. So I deal with that every day. But, oh. um, but yeah, thank you. That's probably what yeah. it is. Okay. And the reason I asked that question to get back to you though, was because I had spoken to, uh, years ago, I met a police detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was very successful at what he did. And he told me that he had the ability to read auras. And he used that when questioning people. And he could tell whether or not they were lying or not. Uh, and that was not voluntarily, you know, voluntary, certainly on the part of the people he was reading. Right. So I wondered how you did that. Yeah, you can definitely see, I mean, I could see really anybody's energy. Um, it's just my own ethical thing. And for a police officer, I think that's a great use of it to to help solve crimes and things like that. Um, for me specifically, you know, I just like to make sure that the other party involved is consenting just sure. before I go into it. But. Okay. Another question, please. You mentioned in the bio there, I've been led to believe there's quite a difference between a psychic versus a medium. And you seem to be doing both. Is that an accurate understanding? Yes. Yeah. There's a saying in um, the community that not all psychics are mediums, but all mediums are psychic. So um, there is a distinct difference between the two. Psychics are people that can see the future usually, that can predict certain things that are going to happen, um, certain timelines for people, you know, specifically like with me, I've seen moves and births and promotions at jobs and things like that. And mediums, on the other hand, are those that are able to connect to crossed loved ones, um, people that may even be um, like ghosts or spirits, you know, things like that. So that's what a medium is compared to a psychic. So a psychic medium is somebody that does both. Do you tap into different energies or gifts to, to do one or the other? Yes. So I mostly work um, clairvoyantly and clairaudiently, which means that I'm, I see visions, I see images, symbols, things like that. And then clairaudiently, I'll hear, you know, specific messages or specific dates of when things are going to happen. When I'm communicating with somebody that's crossed over, I'll usually use those two abilities the most because they're the most straightforward Mm -hmm. um, and accurate for me. So that's kind of how I work um, intuitively. Okay. Yeah. And can I ask you a question about, you also mentioned tarot cards. Yes. Is, Is that something you do? So I read in kind of a weird mixed way. So I don't go all the time off of like specific tarot meanings. Like there are very distinct meanings for certain cards, but the cards that I use and that I've used for, you know, the whole time basically that I've been doing this work have very distinct colors on them. They have seasons on them. They have people on them. So when I pull cards, I do go off of, more of what I'm intuitively being drawn to in the pictures of the cards and then use whatever I'm getting clairvoyantly and clairaudiently from, you know, people's spirit guides or my spirit guides to give more guidance on what's going to happen in the future. So as much as I do kind of use tarot meanings, it's not really like the main thing that I do when I'm pulling cards. I I go more into the specifics of the pictures and, and things that stick out to me. 
Okay. Yeah. And the reason I brought up tarot is because in a lot of places, people, cultures, they're considered more occult, I guess, or more dangerous or whatever. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to think about tarot because I never, I never done a tarot reading. Yeah. Um, but speaking of that, what is your religious background and how does that figure into what, what you do? So I grew up in a very open-minded household. I was very lucky. I think that if I had grown up in more of a religious household, I might not have fully grown into my gifts like I have today. Um, but my my mom's side of the family specifically was very, very Catholic. So my grandparents, very Catholic. Um, my mom grew up in the church a little bit, but was more into creating a relationship with God outside of the church. And because of the experiences my older sister went through when she was younger, my mom went down more of like a spiritual rabbit hole. She didn't really believe in any of this stuff until my younger, or I'm sorry, my older sister was having these experiences, um, seeing energy kind of like I was. So she started doing a lot of research on spiritual topics, astral projection, auras, crystals, things like that. And that sent her on her own spiritual awakening. Um, so I grew up in a really open house. You know, I didn't have a lot of religious pressure. Um, and I, I kind of was able to just find my own way with what I believed spiritually. And when I was really sick and isolated really as you know a 12 year old I was I started researching like what are these auras like what does it really mean what are crystals is there anything that science has said that can back that crystals have energy or that auras really exist and I would stay up so late and I would be researching all of these topics so you know I had my own freedom to kind of figure out what I believed in a very open-minded way which was awesome so I want to ask you what are crystals but first did you have any did you have any um you know uh, conflict or questioning from your grandparents who were catholic so my grandparents actually did not know that i could do all of this stuff um they they had no idea they passed away um my grandpa passed away back in 2020 and then my grandma passed away like eight months before him so before I really got back into this work, you know, they they really didn't know about it. Um, and I think partially there was some pressure of like, let's try to keep this on the down low. Like, let's not tell grandma and grandpa about this. <laughs> like, we'll keep it on the DL. Um, I do feel like, you know, I've had dreams about them since they've passed. So I do feel that they now know that I do all of this stuff. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I never had that, you know, when they were here, I never had that conversation with them of like, yeah, I can see dead people and I'm, I can see auras <laughs> and stuff like that. I don't know how that would have gone, but it's definitely something that I, that I think about. Okay. So, so what are crystals? So crystals are different from like your average rock. They're actually composed of atoms that create a crystalline structure, like down to the very core of them, um, which means that they emit an energy that a normal rock like wouldn't because of the actual um, atomic structure of them. Okay. So crystals are 
really great for many different things. They can change and influence our energy. A lot of times when I'm doing readings for people, I'll actually get suggestions of what stones that people should work with based on what's going on with their energy. Because just having a crystal in your energetic field can influence what's going on with your aura or your chakras or things like that. Okay. Um, let me just get back to, to faith a second because sure. my whole background is, is pretty much faith-based, I guess. Yeah. Um, with all the people that you've read and the professional work that you've done, is there any common thread that comes through to you about what happens after we die? Oh, yes. Yes. There. I mean, there are a few things that come up consistently, especially with mediumship work. Um, and the, the there's like, I would say there's probably three main things that come through. The first thing is when you die, you are 100% greeted by family members that have already passed, pets that have already passed, um, friends, you know, you have kind of a welcome party is what has been communicated to me while I do this work is very comforting to hear because of course you want to like have them waiting for you and know that you're going to be reunited. Right. The second thing that I think is the biggest the biggest thing really for me is there is something that continues after we die. Our energy doesn't just poof, that's it, magic and we're gone. You know what I mean? It's not it's not like that we cross over and our energy still continues in in what way i don't 100% know but after doing this work for so long and seeing how peaceful people's energies are after they come through even if they've died in a way where they've been really sick or you know the last few years of their lives were a big struggle they come through and they're they're so at peace that it's like of course they're going to be like okay after they cross over so um, that's something too is, is there's definitely a continuation after we die. Um, the last thing that I feel like is very consistent too is I, I've never seen any evidence that there is a hell. I just haven't. I've not seen any evidence from my experience, from the people that I've connected with, from you know, the, the experiences that I've had bringing loved ones through, I've, I've never had any experience where anybody's mentioned it, talked about it, you know, or, or anything like that. So those are kind of the three main things that, that are my big takeaways from doing this work. The, the last thing you mentioned, of course, is something that I've mentioned in other podcasts and talked about because the concept of hell is prominently mentioned in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's one of the biggest fears of people going to hell. Yeah. So, so what what happens to people that do bad things or evil things when they die? So, I will tell you what I believe, and I don't want to sit here and be like, I know that this is a hundred percent true sure. because the reality is I don't. You know, and I think that a lot of times psychics and mediums don't want to admit that we don't know everything, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say I don't know. But here's what I believe and what I. I feel intuitively and what I have talked to my guides about, you know, every once in a while, um, because this is a topic that's very interesting to me as well. So we do come from one main, you know, God or source or the universe or whatever you want to call it. There's many different names, I feel. 
um, for this one overarching energy. And I do think that when people commit crimes or do these heinous acts, um, what they've communicated to me, which I still can't fully wrap my head around, but they've said that it's almost like the energy comes back to source and gets recycled, okay? So the person almost like... I don't really know how to explain it, but it's almost like the energy from that soul kind of gets another chance to like be renewed and then come back and start over as a fresh, you know, soul or energy. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. That ties into my other question, which was about what you've come across in terms of reincarnation and what you believe in that. Yes. Yeah, I do believe very strongly in reincarnation. I I believe very strongly in past lives just because that was one of the first things that I started researching, you know, as a 12-year-old. I thought it was fascinating. I would have dreams of, you know, these lives that it, that felt like they were memories and then also doing hypnotherapy to reconnect with these lives to heal trauma. There's an amazing book called Many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Brian Weiss. <laughs> yeah, write it down. I'll send it to you. Yeah. No, I it's read an, it. Oh, you read it. Oh, yeah, definitely. incredible book, right? Yeah. 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 So, so I really do believe it's not just a, you know, it's not YOLO. You don't only live once. You get to come back a couple times. Um, and I do feel like there is a reincarnation process because ultimately earth can act as a school. Sometimes we're learning things, we're growing as a soul. Um, and that, that is what I believe. So yeah, I do believe in past lives, reincarnation and, and all of that. Is there, is there some type of, uh, life review that you go through? I mean, I think it's critical for people that believe, um, you know, that if someone does, heinous acts on earth or terrible things that there's some judgment some punishment some retribution for those acts it's justice it's hard to believe that you just go back to source everybody's happy and your relatives are there and it's all forgiven and forgotten right yeah it's it's hard to accept yeah have you come across any type of concept like a, a life review or any type of justice afterwards? Well, I do feel that karma is a plays a big role in this as well. So, you know, you may come back into a life that you are the person, you know, that was the victim then instead of being the person that was doing the acts. Like there's there's a lot of things I don't I don't fully know to be completely honest, but I do believe in karma and in the reincarnation cycle, you know, you do kind of come back as different levels depending on how this life goes. So I do believe that there is a karmic aspect to these things, um, but I, I don't fully know, you know, if there is more of like a punishment or a judgment, but I do know that there is there really isn't any evidence that I've seen of, of an actual hell or place like that. How about any type of life review that you might go through as a soul? I do feel like a lot of people have reported that, you know, in books where people have, you know, died for a couple minutes or, um, you know, have experienced these near death experiences. I, I do feel like you meet with your spirit guides and your team and they say, well, how did you do? And you kind of go back over and say, well, you were here to kind of learn to be more compassionate and to learn more about conditional love or unconditional love. And you're here to learn about these things. How did you do? How do you feel like you did? Um, I do believe that that happens. I really do. And then based on that, I feel like you either come back 
or you rest for a little bit on the other side. So I, I think that it goes one of two ways after you kind of have that life review. Um, you mentioned spirit guides. How did you meet your spirit guides and how does someone who's listening to this meet their spirit guides? Sure. So I um, was very lucky. I had, I did a lot of dream work when I first started doing this and dream work is just accessing like a spiritual plane from your dreams. So what I would do is I would go into, into sleep and say, I want to see you guys tonight. And these spirit guides would show up in my dreams. I've met my entire team in my dreams, like face to face, which is very special. Um, and I know that I, I hold that, you know, uh, experience very dearly, but I think that when people are first starting out, the easiest thing to do is you can write to them. Hey, spirit guides. And, and I also encourage play a lot in this work because I think sometimes we take spirituality a little too seriously. So I like to encourage people to play when they start working with their guides and ask them to bring you a little gift or, um, you know, work with them in a way where you're writing them a letter and just telling them about your day, getting some support from them and say like, while I'm writing this, can you, you know, show me your energy or let me feel your energy. Um, those are some ways that you can do that. And then one thing that I, that I was saying is, you know, on the play aspect is I like to have people ask for, you know, a free cup of coffee or a, you know, a little gift, you know, a little flower or something like a sign from them that they are actually there. And you'll be surprised at how quickly they respond. You know, I asked for a free cup of coffee one time, just kind of like to see if it would actually happen. And I ended up getting free coffee for two weeks straight from the same <laughs> Starbucks location. It was like the best two weeks ever. Um, but it's just a fun way to kind of shift our energy to a more positive place while we're working with them. So, Awesome. Yeah. Have, you, have you had any experiences with uh, past life regression? I have. So I've done a couple um, just with, you know, uh, with Dr. Brian Weiss's audio, actually. So you did it for yourself. Yes. Have you do you do you do that with as a as a service for other people? Or I don't. Yourself? No, I don't do it as a service. Um, I just did it for myself. I was having um, these really strange um, experiences when I would go to sleep. I was dreaming of this same situation over and over, and I was like, I need to figure out what this is. So I did his audio and went back to a life where I had died in a way that was a little bit uh, tragic. Um, but it was what I had been seeing in that dream over and over. And after I did it, the dream stopped. So oh, man, it's very powerful. Yeah. Um, what would you, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who I may have a, a niece whom I love dearly, who's just starting to experiment with these type of gifts where she sure. receives messages. How do you, she, she suffers from, you know, imposter syndrome and whether or not she's hearing, herself or hearing others, what, what type of advice would you give to somebody who's going through that experience? I definitely feel like it gets easier over time after you practice and after you kind of put your ego aside and you just give the information that you're getting um, and don't overthink the information and getting feedback when you're first starting is really, really important. Like that was one of the ways that I began to really figure out how spirit was communicating with me. And when they showed me this color, it really did mean this because for 20 people, it showed up in the same way. So for people that are just starting, you know, feedback, 
doing practice readings, connecting with energy, and just not really caring about if you're wrong is is really important. You have to put your ego aside and just give whatever information is coming through. Um, and over time, that gets easier as you start to build the trust. But when you're first starting, feedback is definitely the most important thing along with, you know, meditation and writing down also when you get these intuitive nudges throughout your day, just the small things. So thinking of a friend and then seeing them calling you on the phone or um, thinking of something that you, you're like, why am I thinking about that? And then it happens later. Little intuitive things like that, writing them down and just bringing awareness to that really helps people build that self-trust as well. So awesome. those are the things. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and let me just jump back again, if I could, just for a second, back to the religion side of things. Have you ever, in what you do, come across the Christ consciousness or some type of evidence of, of Jesus Christ in what you do? I do believe that Jesus Christ did exist. And I there is this... Um, spiritual belief that he's actually what we call one of the ascended masters. So one of the people that did reach Christ consciousness while they were here or enlightenment while they were here on earth, um, along with, you know, other people um, that that have dedicated their, their lives to compassion and just being in the presence of that unconditional love always. Um, so, so yeah, I do feel like I believe that the Ascended Masters do play a role in being teachers on the other side still, and Jesus is one of them. So accessing, you know, his energy still as sort of a guide or a consciousness, like you were saying, I feel like people use that in spirituality all the time. And there is evidence that that people are connecting to Ascended Masters and channeling information and, and lessons and things like that. So... So what would you say, and I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this, but what would you say to people who question whether or not you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't I don't have all of the answers, and especially with religion, I really feel that if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, which I totally, I'm, I'm a 100% for, um, you can also have a very spiritual existence as well because Jesus's life was was what we're talking about in spirituality today. He was very compassionate. He was very selfless. He embodied unconditional love, which is the whole point of spirituality is to try to get to that level of enlightenment and that selflessness that Jesus embodied while he was here. So I do think they can both they both can exist in the same sort of space. Um, I just, I think that it's it's a shame when people close out one or the other or feel like you have to be on one extreme side or the other when really, you know, life is about duality and, and things, multiple things can be true at once. That is beautiful answer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So let, me, let me ask you uh, just one, one last question, then we'll, sure. we'll wrap it up. And I really appreciate your time. Have you, I'm sure you've heard of people like Sarah Landon, Paul Seilig, uh, people that channel other entities outside of, some of them are alien even. Yeah. Have you come across any of that or any evidence of other life forms that are beyond Earth? I do believe in a sort of interdimensional reality. I do believe that 
there is such a thing as interdimensional, you know, beings. Um, I do believe that there is life on other planets. I mean, if you look at the size of the universe, how could we not believe that? You know what I mean? If you if you really look at even just a galaxy is just mind-blowingly large. So to me, yes, I do believe that there are different systems with different actually spiritually evolved beings. And a lot of times that's what these people are channeling. Um, and I do believe in, you know, sort of, you know, I don't want to say, I guess I already said it, but interdimensional beings that exist on different planes of existence. I have had experiences with those, with those energies. And that's really the only reason why I believe in it is because of my own experiences. If I hadn't had those experiences, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like you crazy lady. But um, because I'm in this space and I've had these connections with these energies, I do, I do believe that they are real. That, that was exactly what I wanted to ask you was whether your belief in this was based upon what you've read or seen or what you've personally experienced. So you, you answered that. Thank you. Yeah. I have, I have a, uh, another niece that, uh, understands or hears light, light language. Are you familiar with that? Oh, yes. So have you had experience with that? Um, I haven't, but I have a, I have had a mentor that was um, very familiar with that. And that's like the angelic language, right? Or like an interdimensional yeah, she, like... She tried to c- explain it to me, but I, I, I she couldn't even mimic the sound. Yeah, it's very but... powerful stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jackie, I First of all, thank you again for for your, your time. But I want to give you some moments here at the end to for some final thoughts that you have, and also how people can can find you and and find your work. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. Um, you can find me online at um, etherealjack.com. So it's etherealjac.com. And I am offering a 20% off um, of any reading for any podcast listener with the code podcast on my website. Okay. Um, and then I'm also on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok under Ethereal Jack, and then Instagram at Ethereal Jack YT. So that's for it. us dummies, Ethereal is what? Ethereal is otherworldly. And no, no, I mean, I mean spelling it. Oh, I thought you meant what it means. Oh my gosh, it's E T H E R E A L. Etherealjack.com. Okay. Yes. Cool. How how booked out are you? Um, I'm, I mean, usually it's only a couple weeks max, but yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts, please? No, this was great. Very fun. Really, really good questions. I had a blast. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your time. And yeah. I will, uh, I'll let you know when we, we post it. All right, friends. Well, that wraps up things for this interview. Hope you enjoyed that. I certainly enjoyed the uh, the opportunity to to talk with Jackie and ask her those questions. Can you do me a favor? Can you hit the subscribe button wherever you download the podcast? That way you'll never miss an episode. And even more importantly, if you could leave a review, that really helps other people find me and uh, other seekers such as yourself find the answers to some of the questions they're looking for. And I'm looking for more awesome people like you. So thank you again. And uh my next podcast should be on uh, next Tuesday. Thank you. Bye-bye.